Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, our last briefing that we were with you was uh, Thursday, July the 9th. Since then, we've announced one new case of COVID-19. The source of infection for that case, uh, which occurred in Central Zone, remains under investigation by public health. Uh, so, so this is an important reminder to everyone that COVID-19 is still with us and we must all remain vigilant and follow public health measures. Uh, it's part of our new normal. We're living with COVID-19 and it, we're in this for, for the long haul. Uh, to, however, today I'm pleased to announce that we have no new cases of COVID-19. So we currently have two active cases in the province and as of yesterday, there was no one in hospital as a result of COVID-19. So that, that, it's, that in itself is an important milestone as well. So for the numbers, uh, to date, we've had 1,067 cases of COVID-19 in the province. Uh, 59,124 people have been tested with negative results. And unfortunately, we've had 63 deaths. There are no licensed long-term care homes in Nova Scotia with active cases of COVID-19 at this time. The QE2 Health Sciences uh, Microbiology Lab completed 491 tests yesterday, uh, which, is, which is good. We're still testing a significant number of people because as we continue to reopen the province, it's important that anyone who has symptoms that could be from COVID-19 uh, get tested and get tested early. The only way we have to contain the virus is to know where it, ex it exists and be able to have a rapid public health follow-up around those cases. So if people are feeling unwell, uh, we, uh, we ask that they then, if, if at all possible, do the online 811 assessment. If you don't have online capacity, calling 811, uh, and they will walk you through uh, a process to see whether your symptoms match uh, uh, possible COVID and whether you need testing. So if you're feeling unwell, uh, your first step should really be to uh, do a, an assessment through 811. As Premier McNeil just said, uh, we're pleased to announce that we are loosening the restrictions on visitation for long-term care. COVID-19 has been difficult for all of us, but I think it's especially true for those who have uh, who live and work in, in our long-term care facilities, as well as their loved ones and families. The restrictions that we implemented four months ago were done to protect the physical health of residents and were necessary. But we know that this isolation has had a toll on the mental and social well-being of residents and their families. In June, restrictions were eased to allow for outdoor visits. And with new cases remaining very low, we're comfortable that we can now open visitation more and bring some more normalcy back into the lives of the residents and their families. So starting July 22nd, the province's long-term care facilities are allowed to start implementing the following changes. We're moving from two up to five visitors per, per resident for outdoor visits. Visitors will need to keep physical distance uh, or wear a mask. So if they want to go in and have a hug, put a hand on a shoulder, they can do that, but they need to wear a mask. Otherwise, they need to stay back that six-foot distance. Indoor visits can now start with one visitor at a time per residence. Residents or their substitute decision makers will be able to designate up to three people as indoor visitors, but only, you can only have one person visiting at a time. 
to help facilities manage this. All, all, all visits need to be pre-scheduled with the facility, uh, and they make the, and, and facilities will uh, establish designated locations, uh, and that's important that facilities can manage the flow of people, that they can actually clean those, when it's indoors, they can clean those spaces before and after each visit. For indoor visits, everyone must wear a ma must wear a mask. Uh, good hand hygiene is going to be uh, important and uh, and essential to follow. Uh, and again, physical distancing will be required. But people can go in and give a brief hug, a hand on the shoulder. We understand the importance of that direct physical contact. But it's a very important if you're going to get in closer than the six feet. Uh, at all times, people will need a mask, but it's critical that it, any close contact is done wearing a mask. So people need to show up for their appointed uh, uh, visits wear, uh, wearing a mask because they're going to have to go through a screening process and they need a mask on while they do that screening process. And for outdoor visits, as I, as I said, you, you, you will, uh, facilities may allow you to remove a mask if you're staying at least six feet apart. Uh, but if you're going to get closer than that, then masks will be necessary. In addition, facilities can resume some social and group activities for residents. So residents and staff can start to gather, uh, as of J July 22nd, can start to gather in groups of 10 or less for dining, recreation or socializing without physical distancing. The, as much as possible, the groups of 10 should remain consistent and visitors into the facility will not be able to join those groups of 10. Furthermore, licensed hair salons that operate within a long-term care uh, facility may now uh, reopen to residents only. They must follow the guidelines that have been set by the cosmetologist Cosmetology Association of Nova Scotia. They have to submit a safety plan to the facility within which they are located, and where part of that plan needs to include that they are keeping a list, a register of, of, of residents, uh, uh, the date and time when they visit in case we need to do public health follow-up. And finally, facilities can resume off-site bus trips for groups of up to 10 people, and that 10 includes residents plus staff and the driver. Uh, though again, those groups should remain uh, consistent uh, and the trips must be for sightseeing only and, and people at this point in time uh, cannot get off the bus and uh, put themselves at risk by having activities in whatever community that they're traveling through. The bus drivers uh, will be screened with the same uh, screening, health screening protocols as any visitors to the facility and there's protocols for the buses to be cleaned before and after being used. While long-term care facilities are allowed to start making these changes as of July 22nd, each facility will decide which of these changes they, they can implement based on the operational, their, their own operational considerations and the availability of appropriate space and staffing, et cetera. Uh, so it's, it really we ask for families to be patient, to work with their facilities, that they have resident, uh, they have loved ones living in and give those facilities time to make the necessary um, arrangements. 
residents, family, and staff have been very patient through this uh, whole COVID process and have worked extremely hard. Uh, and I know there's a lot of uh, anxiety and concern around uh, loosening these restrictions uh, because of people who are very much aware of, of, of the vulnerability of, of uh, the residents. But I've, uh, as Chief Medical Officer of Health, I feel comfortable that uh, what we're doing is, 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 uh, is safe. We also need to acknowledge the, 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 the impacts of social isolation, and, and we, need to, uh, we need to help address that as well. So I think these, this, these further steps are finding an appropriate balance of addressing other health issues, allowing some normalcy back into the lives of residents, while at the same time having an appropriate level of uh, COVID safety. Uh, it's, it's very important this is, uh, that's, uh, that all Nova Scotians understand that even if you may have an appointment to see your loved one, that if you are feeling unwell at the day of that appointment, it's critically important that you not, uh, not, not, go, to, not go to that visit. One of the key ways we have to uh, minimize the chance of COVID-19 being introduced into facility is making sure people who are feeling unwell don't go for visit on, on the day uh, that you have scheduled. I know that would be disappointing, but we need to make sure that we, we uh, place a priority on, 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 on protecting uh, our loved ones and not, not going to see them when we're feeling unwell. Um, we, it's, this is all part of these new procedures are all part of learning to live with COVID-19. I'd now like to turn to the topic of travel and self-isolation. There's been certainly lots of discussion and questions about that. As people start to travel more, uh, certainly my department, we are receiving many more requests for exceptions to the 14-day self-isolation -isol rule. And I feel it's an, uh, an opportunity to clarify uh, that. Workers uh, are exempt under the public health order. Uh, a, a few, there's a few categories of worker who are exempted under the public health order. And those are members of the Canadian Armed Forces, Coast Guard, RCMP, Canada Border Services Agency, first responders, including police, fire, and EHS, paramedic workers. Um, as long as they're traveling and it's related to uh, duties for their work. Uh, uh, people who are employed um, in, in transportation and the movement of people and goods across our borders are also exempt. Uh, so, for example, example long-distance truck drivers who bring food uh, in and out of our pro into our province. Again, they are exempted as long as their travel is related to their work. So in all these circumstances, we've had lots of questions. Well, I'm exempted under the order, but I'm traveling for vacation, and we have, we're having to clarify, no, you're exempted only if you're traveling for work. Having an exemption doesn't give you a free pass so you can travel at any time without self-isolation. Um, and so an example I've recently had as a truck driver who was going to Ontario on vacation, uh, asking, confirming that they were exempted, and we, we clarified that they would have to self-isolate when they came back because it was uh, personal reasons for their travel. We also have a lot of questions about, uh, about people, um, uh, workers and employers, 
who feel that they're, they are somehow essential. We actually don't have a category of essential workers, but we do have the ability. So if a company had, has a specialized need uh, to bring a, somebody with a, a, a highly uh, technical skills that aren't available here in the province, they can contact my office uh, and we can provide an, an, an exception to them, but we always put strict criteria around maintaining appropriate distancing and other measures while they're doing the work that's necessary and very they have to stick to strict isolation protocols when they're not at work. So again, I can use an example that we've had recently. Uh, we, had, we, had, we were approached by a bank company. They had to have a, a bank vault repaired, uh, and uh, I guess security is uh, certainly important, and there was nobody in Nova Scotia who could do that work. So we gave them an exception with all the criteria I've, I've, I've outlined of how that work could be done with appropriate levels of safety, and they br brought in that specialized service. We will. We certainly are prepared to consider requests for uh, exemptions for ca for compassionate reasons as well, such as being with a, an immediate family member who's near end of life or attending a funeral or a memorial service. Uh, we have given a number of those, but in each circumstance, we give very clear uh, information on the steps that they need to take while they're here uh, to uh, to uh, maintain safety while we give them the opportunity to uh, connect with immediate family for compassionate reasons. I'm going to end up by talking about uh, uh, masks for, uh, for a, a few minutes more. Uh, that's certainly been a topic of conversation both locally and nationally. Uh, the evidence on non-medical masks has evolved throughout the pandemic, uh, and our public health uh, direction is evolving uh, along with that. So what I'm saying today and said for the last few weeks about masks is different what I was saying back in March and, and early April. That is simply because the evidence around masks uh, has evolved. Uh, we certainly are learning that uh, the public wearing non-medical masks is an effective uh, tool uh, in, in helping prevent the spread of COVID-19. So it's important, as I've said in the last couple of weeks, that before a second wave or a recur resurgence of COVID-19 happens, that we need to make mask wearing much more of, of, of a habit for all Nova Scotians. That's why three weeks ago we, we increased the strength of the public health recommendation so that we're now strongly recommending that no, all Nova Scotians wear masks in places where it's hard to maintain a physical distance from others, especially in indoor environments. And I certainly have seen in the last three weeks lots of examples of increased mask wearing and I thank Nova Scotians for that. But I do believe that we still need to do more. So as of today, I'm, I'm taking one more step uh, and in that, uh, we, uh, starting next Friday, uh, July 24th, it will be mandatory to wear a non-medical mask on public transportation. This will apply to both drivers and passengers. Children under two and people with medical reasons for not wearing a mask are exempt. To be, for clarification, the definition of public transportation includes municipal transit buses and ferries, school buses when they're back operating, community transportation vehicles, private taxis and shuttles. A public transportation does not include uh, uh, buses or other vehicles that are transporting employees in a work situation. It does not include provincial ferries. They're, 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 really, they're, they're, they're small and they're mostly outdoor. There's not a need for masks on those are provincial ferries. It also does not include the ferries that go between the Atlantic provinces. Those aren't under our direct jurisdiction. 
We are continuing to have discussions with, uh, the, with the companies that run uh, motor carriers, with tour buses and tour, uh, tours, et cetera. They are, they are, by and large, not yet running, and we're, we're continuing to talk with them about a number of measures about how they can run safely. Uh, and those, those are including uh, discussions around the, the, the use of masks in, in their, <coughs> excuse me, in their operations. We're taking this first step with public transit because it's essential for many people Many people have to use the bus to, to function in, in, our, in our communities. Buses are clearly a closed environment, um, and we, there have been uh, some cases linked with uh, being, on, being on a bus. And we will continue to look at the epidemiology and the evidence around masks and, and, and look to uh, going in, in further settings where masks, a mandatory approach to masks may be appropriate. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to note that the vast majority of Nova Scotians are able to wear masks. We have given an exemption for medical reasons, but the, 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 the reality is that there are very few valid medical reasons to not wear a, a non-medical masks. They are mainly related to anxiety. The Canadian Thoracic Society uh, clearly states that there is no evidence that wearing a non-medical mask worsens a chronic lung condition such as asthma or chronic obstructive lung disease. But I do recognize that for some people with chronic breathing conditions, wearing a mask can create anxiety. There are also people with mental health conditions for whom wearing a mask, again, can create significant anxiety. There are, however, uh, practical ways to overcome anxiety, such as practicing wearing a mask for a short period of time in a, in a very calm, safe environment like your home. So there are many ways that people can work to uh, uh, overcome that anxiety. We're looking at gathering some information on this and, and, and looking to have this on our, on our government website in the next, uh, in, in the next number of days. Uh, there are also individuals with cognitive or developmental disabilities that are unable to wear a mask. But again, I need to repeat that there are very few medical reasons for people that, to, to not wear a mask. So if we think about it, that we have medical professionals that wear masks all day long, every day. So what I'm asking is that Nova Scotians to wear a non-medical mask for much shorter periods of time when they go to get groceries, when they're on a bus, when they go shopping, all those kind of environments. It's really not too much to ask. Um, it's, so I, I really uh, ask, uh, asking people to think seriously about the role that masks play. It's about protecting each other. Uh, if we all wear a mask, we're all do keeping each other safe. So making a choice to wear a mask is about showing you're caring about others and taking the step to keep, to keep them safe a mask will also help you, but if you wear a mask, it sets an example for everybody else to wear a mask, and then we're mutually keeping each other safe. So please don't go looking for a reason to not wear a mask. We will not be asking for a medical certificate, so don't go to your doctor's office asking for one. I know it's been in the media. There's a, fa a document going around online about a, a, a medical certificate that is absolutely false and fake. It's a reminder that there's a lot of misinformation and, and downright mistruth being circulated about masks. Wearing a non-medical mask is safe and effective. So when you're around others, it helps keep you safe and it's very important in helping keep others safe. Our response to COVID-19 has highlighted that in many ways, 
we need to think more about putting others first uh, ahead of ourselves. Wearing a non-medical mask, as I said, shows that you care about others and you're asking them to do the same for you. It's part of my three C's, caring, community, common sense. So we're taking the first step, mandatory on buses. We're looking at other environments. So please, we're, we're asking you to do this in a positive way. Don't look for reasons not to wear a mask. Look for reasons why you should wear a mask. And I wanna finish off with a few other important points about masks. They, 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 they're not to be used uh, as a standalone. We need to remember that masks are part of the package of personal protective measures, including the starting point is keep physical distancing as much as possible, limit the number of people you get together with, stay home if you're unwell, use good hand washing and cough hygiene and clean common surfaces and objects. And again, you know, wear masks where in, in situations where you can't keep physically distanced. It's that package of, of measures together which keeps us all safe. Also, we need to learn how to put on and take off a mask safely. And don't touch your mask when you're wearing it on your face. There is useful information and links on our website to help. At the end of the day, we should all carry a mask with us wherever we go and be prepared to put it on where necessary and, and have practice how to put it on safely um, and wear it safely. Face shields or other types of eye pr protection are not a replacement for masks. They only give your eyes additional protection. They don't protect others. I've seen too many circumstances where, where people are making choices or, or organizations are making choices thinking that a face shield, that eye protection, is a replacement for masks. It's not. Where we need to have masks on, we need to wear masks and we, there's, no, there's no replacement for them. So again, making masks mandatory in public transportation is a first step and we'll continue to look at ways to increase mask use in other settings where physical distancing is difficult to maintain.